Hey there, I'm Jade. And I'm Josh. And on this episode of Our Taste is Trash, we review Wes Anderson's new film, Asteroid City, discuss the box office flop of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, and talk the bear season two. So remember to rate, review, and follow wherever you listen. Stick around. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome into another episode, episode 100 of Our Taste is Trash. Wow. I'm Josh. And I'm Jade. You've been doing this a while, Jade. I yeah. know. Well, because we had that whole mishap, so we were, we were kind of ahead. Ahead. And now we're right on track. Yeah, yeah, we're back again. We're back. We're back again for episode 100. We really thought we had something with doing Wes Anderson, that being one of our favorites. Yes. We're not going to say... Too, too much. Not too, too much. Well, a little bit. We'll talk about it. (laughs) But, Jade, the most important news, if you've missed it in the past, I guess it's almost been a week and a half. God, yeah. The, The event. The event... I know I've been waiting for. Oh, that I feel Many like the people, internet has been waiting the for. Yeah. Should have been waiting for. Rory, the, the is it the French, pug? The French no, bulldog? French bulldog. French bulldog finally met Henry Cavill. Yes. Jade, it, oh my god. People who are out of the loop that might not know what the fuck we're talking about, you yeah. should. You should feel ashamed. Y- you of yourself should. Yeah. If you don't know what this is, why is this bulldog? obsessed with Henry Cavill and why is this important? Yeah, so there's on TikTok a creator who made an account for her dog called Rory the Frenchie and she kind of like accidentally stumbled upon the fact that her dog is obsessed with Henry Cavill. When we say obsessed, like she's, it's ridiculous. she's done all these experiments like basically like video on, on TikTok to be like, Okay, I'm going to put another man who kind of looks like him in front of her and see if she reacts the same. She doesn't. Like, literally, this dog... Looks away. Will look away. She's like, who the fuck is this? But, like, she has a shrine now to Henry Cavill and specifically him um, as Geralt from The Witcher. And, like, literally it's the point where she recognizes his voice. So she'll be, like, sleeping. And then the owner will put on, like, something with Henry Cavill in it. And she'll, like, wake up to his voice. And, like, look around and be like, where is he? And we're not even talking, like... The dog just kind of looks up and looks around. The dog will sit Stare. in front of the TV and watch it. Like yes. it is watching the program. Yeah. But only when he's on. When he's on. When he like goes away, like she put on like, um, what was it? The Justice League movie. So like whenever Henry wasn't there as Superman, Not she was like, what the fuck is this movie? And then as soon as he came back on screen, she's like, what? Hello? Yeah. Henry? <laughs> like I, and yeah, like it's insane. So like the internet has basically been manifesting that Rory meets Henry Cavill and so through you know what the internet does Netflix invited Rory and her owner out to London for the Witcher season three premiere and everyone was like oh my god are they gonna meet are they gonna meet and we finally got a video of Henry meeting Rory but it's like less than a minute it's so quick. It was a letdown like it was a little bit of a letdown because it was so exciting to see that moment but I'm like oh my god so, Jay, did you do this as well? I went to the page and yes. I went through oh, every oh, other video. After, to be like, what, is there more? Where's there more? Where, am, am where are the behind something? the scenes? Like, yeah. I want to see, like, them having a moment, like, petting, like, uh, something I want, more. Yes, I wanted him to, like, pet her. I wanted her to freak the fuck out. Freak out. Like, something. I'm wondering, she kind of didn't say this directly, but I feel like in some of the other videos, yeah. it sounds like there's some kind of embargo on that mm. footage. And I'm wondering if there's a bigger collaboration I kind of feel like that too. I almost feel like either <gasps> there's content that's mentioned that they don't want to release yet, maybe about yeah. s- season four or maybe specifically about what's happening in the new season. 
or if there's some sort of other promotional thing they're waiting on. I just got it, Jade. You know what they're going to save it for, I bet? Oh. Part two. Because uh, this, this is a split season. You have... The one that came out in June, right. the five episodes. And the one that comes out at the end of the month. End of the month. So I wonder if there's going to be a Netflix thing that is like a weird promotion for that. Yeah. Like, Maybe it's going to be on Threads. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Let's not even get into Threads right now. If you don't know what Threads is, don't worry. You don't need to know yet. You it's, don't need to know. It's okay. It's, it's not it, even a thing. Not a thing. Well, yeah, it's a thing. It's it's just, a th- it is. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. It's Mark Zuckerberg. It's a thing. But. If you're... I'm so sorry. An elder millennial or older, maybe you'll be interested. Yeah, I am because I'm done with Twitter and I need something else. I'm done with Twitter and it's because Twitter's it's dead. Twitter a for line. Instagram, guys, it's gross. It's Twitter without as many of the fascists. That's it's what it is right Twitter now. Twitter without the personality. Yeah. Yeah. It kinda, it's a little bit, it's a, it's it's a little, little bit dry. cleaner. Yeah. 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 Because you can't have, yeah. Because Twitter was wild. You could have, do it was the Wild West. It was yeah. good. Listen, I mean, there was, people were just out there. There was porn. There was just, I mean, it's wild. This Twitter is how we got wild. Zola. Okay. That is Twitter. Yeah. So, yeah. Listen. We'll see. Zuckerberg needs to make it a little bit dirtier. He needs to make threads just listen, different. Well, he's a lizard. So he yes. doesn't understand. <laughs> He is the only reason I believe lizard people exist. When I was human, I mean, I <laughs> yeah. am human. <laughs> blink, blink, the sideways blink, like the... <laughs> oh, the second eyelid yeah. blink? Yeah, oh. yeah, 100%. Jesus. 100%. Anyway, if you haven't seen this about Rory, uh, the Frenchie, you mm-hmm. need to. It's the most heartwarming thing that's on TikTok. You yeah. need to see it. It's amazing. And follow it from the beginning. You can just go back through all the, the way to th- TikToks all the way and you'll understand the journey that we've been on. Yes. For literally... A year? Oh, yeah, More? about a over, yeah. probably over a year. Yeah. Wow. God. Well, Jade, should we uh, do a segment that I don't believe we've done in a couple of weeks? Yeah. Weekly watches. Weekly watches. I've watched so much in the past Same. couple of weeks. Like I have kept up. Can I just run through a couple of my trashes? Oh yeah, sure. Run, rabbit, run. Netflix. Garbage. Yikes. Not good. Like the movie makes no fucking sense. Like I thought. You have kind of single divorced mother with creepy little child. Sure. This is going to be creepy. It's, you know, Shiv from... Shiv from... Yeah. Uh, uh, Succession. I don't even know what her name is, really, in real life. Same, she's sorry. Shiv from, until she does more things, she's Shiv, she's Shiv. from the... Succession. Uh, Succession. Jesus Christ, I can't yeah. think of the name. <laughs> anyway, I thought maybe something in the, in the vein of Babadook, you know, maybe mm-hmm. something in that range. Not at all. Weird story about... This woman dealing with losing her sister that maybe she murdered when she was a child, never quite oh, made clear. Okay. And her daughter starts to manifest her sister. Weird. And then it, okay. they get to the end and you're like, oh, something fucked up's going to happen. Like someone's going to get murdered sure. again. No. There's just this weird unresolved ending that like doesn't oh, make any I sense. I hate that shit. What is that? I love unresolved endings when they like... Well- it makes makes sense. sense. And you're yeah. like, oh, wow. Like, I can think of what's going to happen next. This is just, I'm being a dick you're and just this is the end. being left hanging because they couldn't figure out the ending. I think it was yeah. 144, 145. It felt like it was three hours. I like, bet. It was just, I, I literally was on my phone on TikTok half the time. Yeah. Didn't miss anything. Don't watch this movie. It's not good. Mm, all right. Yeah. Well. yeah. What about you? They have it. Uh, well, no trashes, but uh, I don't think we talked about this last episode. Watched the new season of The Bear. <sighs> Fucking incredible. So excited. So good. Like, this show just continues to get better and better, honestly. And this season, 
I loved the shift. You know, we got the super intense kitchen, you know, atmosphere of the first season that like left you on edge. But this one was so I think beautifully told we got all these vignettes of all the different characters and their backstory and their journeys and I just I thoroughly enjoyed it I cried so much (laughs) I will say it it did take me a beat to get into this because Mm. I was so used to the pacing of season one where okay you know it was just it was nerve-wracking like I've never worked in a kitchen I I mean I love Top Chef but that to me feels realistic like I was so Every episode of season one, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, like, this is, there's nothing happening, but Jesus Christ, like, I feel like all of my nerves are about yeah. to be set on fire. Yeah. There was a very much in the beginning of season one, this just, I can't, I can't describe it. It was relaxed, which was not normal yeah. for this show. Well, yeah, it was like a little bit softer pacing because they're, they're kind of telling these little stories. Yeah. yeah. But I will say mid-season is where I really think the season two hits its stride, especially mm-hmm. with the Christmas episode where oh, literally I, yep. everyone who is an A-lister in Hollywood... Everyone is in, is this, in this fucking show because yeah. I think literally, I think these actors were asking. I think at this point they were like, I would love to be on the bear. Put me on the fucking bear. And little teaser, this is how you... That episode, it should be a shining example of mm-hmm. how you handle an ensemble <laughs> cast Unlike Asteroid City. Yes. And especially of that caliber yeah. as well. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis, you have Bob Odenkirk, you God. have, I'm trying to even think of who I'm, I believe you got so some John Mulaney. John Mulaney. There's a. Oh, John Mulaney was fucking, he gets really annoying in some shit. Let's be honest. Like, he can get really John fucking, Mulaney. he's John Mulaney. Yeah. But in this. Great. Perfect. Like, yeah. I actually enjoyed his character and wanted to see more of him yeah. because it was hilarious. And then we got Gillian. I forget her last name. She played Britta in Community. Um, yes. I know who you're talking about. Yes. Picture in my mind. Obviously, we have John Bernthal back as, um, you know, the brother. And I mean, oh, by the way, I'm sorry, but in what world is Jeremy Allen White and John Bernthal brothers? I, I'm sorry. They should have at least had different dads. I, I mean, thank you. Come on. Because... Yeah. That's just a very obvious difference in, what world in the structure of those men. <laughs> are either one of them Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis's Curtis's sons? Yeah. yeah. Especially Jeremy Allen White. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, the, the season was, I mean, when I say it, like, guys, I know I cried everything, but this had me in fucking tears. This is an amazing show. It was I mean, this so is, good. This is oh my God. an opus for someone. You know what I mean? Like, this yes. is and also, Breaking Bad level Season good two hits so close to home because I'm in the process, I, I, I'm watching this as in the process of opening a restaurant and this was happening at the same time and I was like, this is all the fucking bullshit that you deal with with trying to get something like this off the ground. It just, it's, they, whoever's writing, had to work in the industry or they're oh, consulting with someone who works in the industry. Absolutely. It's on point. I, I guarantee they have someone on staff who worked in a, like really worked really in a worked restaurant, in, yeah. like at a high level somewhere yes, in the culinary not world. Not just like a server for a couple of years while they were taking gigs. No, not at all. Yeah. And also, you know what I love about this is, I think you mentioned this a little bit, the soul searching that happens in this yes. season. Both with, we don't get as much of Jeremy Allen White's character, mm-hmm. but... We get some great lines from him, you know, stuff like he, I can't remember the exact line. I was going to try and quote it, but I'm going to (laughs) paraphrase. Essentially, he is dealing with his childhood because he's dating this other woman who he's really coming out to in terms of like things he's, that have come up again with losing his brother, with reconnecting Mm -hmm. with certain family members. And he's like, 
there were some of these really great things that we did when I was younger that I never wanted to do again or revisit because my family just had this habit of turning everything to shit. Yes. And he goes, it wasn't their fault. They had the best intentions, but he talks about like his cannolis that he never wanted to make. Yeah. Because every time he made those was usually for Christmas and Christmas was always a fucking and it turned shit, into a show. shit show. Yeah. yeah. So you start associating something good with something bad. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes you not want to like relish in and it. And we finally got the Richie arc that we deserved. Oh, because Richie was just... His arc this season is so good. And it's, he was being annoying. Like, it, it just got to a point where yeah. you're like, I don't like this character well, yeah, anymore. It gets to a point where you're like, where are we going with the character? There's only so far you can take it, you know, with him being just basically a constant fucking wall, you know, in yeah. the way. Um, so no, he has an incredible arc this season. I mean, everyone does. It's so, it's... There is one line I love because he has a couple of Taylor Swift moments. One where he, after he's done with the kitchen, he's just racing home, blasting yes. Taylor Swift because so he feels so vindicated about what he's done in yeah. his training and learning. But also I love the line that he gives his daughter one time where he like shuts off Taylor Swift in the car and mm-hmm. she's like kind of pissy with him and he's yeah. dropping off at school and she goes hey just want to remember that daddy loves you and also he loves taylor swift but i i just needed a break yeah okay. <laughs> thank you was like, dude yeah, that was so good i was like 100 percent absolutely and he just needed a break that's me like, <laughs> in the office you know i sometimes i'm like guys we gotta we gotta switch it up we gotta switch it up um oh and but, can i bring this up jade i know you, you just finished this season i did a couple weeks ago black mirror what were your ooh. thoughts on the latest black mirror really good actually right. like i i think there was only maybe one episode this season that i was just kind of eh on but like really everything else i thought was great i mean my favorite i think episode of the season was beyond the sea with um aaron paul Ooh. and josh hartnett so incredible i mean that was literally the length of like a movie you know, um you know it was because i i couldn't believe it was i think it's almost an hour and a half episode. it's almost an hour and a half yeah yeah um, so. what was unbelievable about that is Every time, Jade, I thought I had figured out uh, that show. Same, like where it was it going. It surprised me. Same, same. I, I don't get surprised all that often in movies. No. But there were probably three or four times where I was like, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen next. Same. Nope. <laughs> yeah, like I literally kept being like, oh, this is where the plot's going. Like I just was kind of preparing myself. I'm like, okay, it's going to go like one of two ways. And then when we got to the final end and we kind of got our twist, I was like, what the f- Honestly, the whole story is not that hard to to it's follow. Not. I mean, you it's have these fairly simple. Two men. There, it's a little futuristic, so you learn about the technology and yeah. how they're living their lives, and you're like, oh, I kind of get it. There's a shocking thing that happens in the beginning with a yep. murder, but then you're like, oh, I've seen you think this story you'd get the before. Premise. Yes, I've yeah. seen this story, and you start to think of a couple different ways it could go. Yeah, you're they like, they kind of oh, okay. lead you down a few red herrings, and you're like, oh, there's gonna be a twist, and you're like, oh, okay, weird. Yeah, and then you keep going, and you're like, wait, there's fucking more. You're like, hold on. And then it keeps twisting, and you're like, now what Holy are we doing? Fuck! Yes. Like, so intense. good. Yeah, Lock Henry will probably be second up there for me. The the murder in Scotland. I really like Lock Henry because that again, not to just keep harping on this, there were some really good twists in this season. Really good. That one surprised me because there was one aspect of this murder because it's a murder mystery, right? Yeah, it's like you're, it it they play on the fact of like you know true crime is really popular. People are trying to uncover things. And I think both of you and I were kind of like, mm, it's probably this other guy. Yeah, like, we literally were like, guy. we have our suspect. We know who it but is. But then they just throw a curveball and they're like, actually, there's something it was else. This whole other thing that's way bigger than you think, and you're, and you're like. like the My fuck? God. And then it, the whole thing ends up to be fucking depressing. It's, it's bad. It's insane. And great. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's a great season, honestly. But it's kind of just weird, though, because I feel like, I don't know if it's, we've gotten more um, kind of harsher in our 
current climate where like I feel like or not like harsh, but like I feel like I've gotten maybe more like um less less shocked or like less like I don't like I don't like some of the things that we saw this season were good and they were crazy but part of me also kind of was like did that really push the boundaries like previous seasons because I'm like I don't know if it's like and I grapple with this too because I found myself being very shocked by some of the past ones and some people say it's society but I I don't think it is I think there's still a way to be shocking I mean and even a little bit like Joan is awful is a good example I thought that was good that was great not shocking but you kind of it kind of makes you think a There's little bit. There's always an episode of Black Mirror that does that. That yeah. kind of takes something that is part of the current climate of today and they push it. Like it's, it's almost satirical in a way. But I feel like Maisie Day was the one they were trying to be a little more shocking with by mixing Supernatural with yes. Hollywood stardom. Yeah. And paparazzi culture. But at the same time, I was like, I feel like I've seen this before. Like I, I'm not that shocked with the I ending. enjoyed Maisie Day because I like this subject material. Yeah. But... In the context of Black Mirror, it it didn't go far enough. No, yeah, not far, not enough even at all. close. I wanted something even bigger to come out of it that didn't. So yeah, I yeah. You know, you know the one I'm trying to think of the exact title as I'm sitting here talking. What but, Demon Seventy Nine? Uh, not Demon Seventy Nine no. from this season, but I'm thinking of a previous season. Is you know the one? Um, there's two. One is Playtest. Ooh, where the guy gets essentially test. stuck in the video game. Stuck in the video game um, because he's you know, testing this game and, you know, it can't be that bad, you know, it's yeah. what could go wrong. That was this fusion of technology and realism that terrified me a little bit because yeah. it's far enough in the future where you think that's not really here yet, but there's enough technology it, where you go, you know what's funny is that could happen. Now thinking back, like watching Peripheral, like that's similar vibes. Oh, yeah. 100 yeah. 100%. There's also one from one of the earlier seasons and I can't find the name of it, but... Do you remember the one where essentially you could order this skin or this robot of a person who has passed and it's filled oh, with all of their the past memories? Thoughts? Yeah, and you can like relive it. And yeah, and they can they are basically the person that you program them to be and it's this husband and wife. She brings back her dead husband. And oh. all these fucked up things end up happening and you think that she gets rid of it at the end, but really just stuffs it in her attic and goes and visits it sometime. Ugh, and it's that one is that one still freaks me out to this creepy. day. Creepy, yeah, creepy as hell. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, this was um, it was a good season. I really enjoyed it. I recommend. And, like, I mean, if yeah. it's only five episodes, I would. And I if would you recommend seeing already it, watch like it. it, like you would like it. Yeah. Um, just some quick ones here. Uh, the Lincoln Lawyer just came out with the first part of the season two. I guess like four episodes. I really enjoyed season one. Season two is still pretty good. They got a new juicy story. Um, I recommend if you like kind of procedural, slightly detective, middle noir. Okay. You know, like pretty decent. Um, and then the new show Hijack on Apple TV Plus with Idris Elba. Oh, how, what? Yes. You're a plane movie, so this is going to be a little bit biased. So I was right? going to say, I'm like, all right, so you guys have to take this a grain of salt because if it's you, a movie or a series? It's a, it's a series. Okay. Um, so as you guys know, if you listen, I love anything to do with movies on a plane <laughs> i don't know what it is it's something i think it's it's i think it's a psychological thing of like you're stuck in this box and there's two types of pressure there's a physical pressure and then there's the mental pressure of like anything and everything you do on that plane can cause you to die and you are stuck in the air 
and anything that happens, like with all these people, right, that you feel all this anxiety and then when anxiety builds, like basically all these different personalities come out and like it can change the situation like on the drop of a pin. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think that's why I'm so fascinated with plane movies because it is such a, a harsh situation. So like this takes place in like essentially real time. So it's like each episode is an hour. That's an hour on the plane. Ooh, like 24 kind of. A little bit, yeah. Okay. And so um, basically, obviously, title of the film or title of the series, the plane gets hijacked in the very beginning. And Idris Elba, the primary character that we follow as he kind of starts to figure out a way to thwart these hijackers. But as we're watching, you're kind of trying to figure out what the hijackers want, who they are, and also how are they going to alert um, the ground that there has been a hijacking mm. and how is the ground going to save them while they're currently in the air because there's only really one other option which is shoot the plane down because Jesus. ultimately after 9-11 we know now planes are weapons so when they get hijacked they're like this isn't about this isn't about giving them their demands to save the people on board this is about them using the plane as a weapon yeah and so ultimately they would prefer to shoot it down over an air like a, a space where Minimal you have damage. minimal damage, yeah. um, which is terrifying. Collateral damage, Colla- yeah, 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 yeah. Collateral damage. So, like, yeah, it's 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 a little tense. It's it's kind of slow, depending on your level taste of of pacing. But I I think it's interesting. I my recommendation would be if it's not exactly your genre, I would wait till the whole show comes out so you can just kind of power through. Jane, I have to mention one more before we talk about our movie this week. Ooh, yes, I just finished the limited documentary series. Muscles and Mayhem, an unauthorized story of American Gladiators. Jade, this is what I wanted Bama Rush to be. I was literally going to say. This is everything. So, I mean, you probably, my age and probably yours as well, I watched many syndicated versions of American Gladiator. Yeah, they were just on. They were just on. Like, I don't remember if it was while the show was actually on or No, I don't recall, like, tuning in for a new no, episode i just remember just like it being on the it TV. being on the tv i don't yeah. think it was one of those shows that you tuned in for i think it was just yeah, like no. <laughs> it was on saturday mornings or something and you yes, were like you yeah, just like watched I it watched it yeah this was amazing i mean they got so many of the people like i remember a handful of their names but they got like zap nitro gemini ice okay. laser tower all of these people and i was like oh and they show their picture and i'm like oh i fucking remember You're that like, yeah guy. yeah i fucking remember that chick like and it's that show is everything you think it would have been Ooh. and more. Like, it's uh, it's Firefest. It's fucking... I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, they all got paid shit because they were nobodies that were trying to make it in Hollywood who were all either bodybuilders, ex-Olympic athletes. Like, glow. And, like, yeah, and they yeah. got fucked over by the studios. So, like, they were making no money. They were all on steroids. Like, they're very open in this course. documentary where they're saying... Yeah, they didn't want us to be on roids, but like Basically, all of us were yeah. on steroids. They did this thing. Jesus. <laughs> so they were like, they called us all in one day because, you know, the show was getting picked up. It was like we had gotten past the pilot the first season, made some changes in season two, and they like, this show was taken off. <laughs> so they became aware, as this one guy said in air quotes, that there may be some steroid use in the show. <laughs> so they gave them this notice, this mandatory meeting, and they're like, we're going to do testing. And everyone's oh freaking out because they're like, oh, fuck. Like, we're yeah, like we're fired. all on it. We're going like, to get fired. Because this one guy, there, there was this one gladiator that there was an incident. I don't remember any of this shit. He chased someone into the stands. 
And they were like, whoa, buddy. Like, roid rage. Like, what the fuck? They had to fire his ass because he was oh, chasing people in listen, the sands. I've had roid rage. Yeah. So, it's from guys' medical steroids. But what they did is they brought them in, Jade, and then they said, oh, we're going to start doing testing in six weeks. Ah, uh, uh, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, everything else, this show was so fucking 90s. Like, they said there was groupies. Like, Ugh. they went on a bus tour. Classic. They said, <laughs> they said at one point the production manager was calling back to, like, the studio heads and are like, these guys party. Like, and he was telling them how they party. And he goes, it was worse than fucking rock stars that we would take on tour because that's <laughs> what we were used to. And he's like, they were the most insane things that we've ever seen. Oh my God. A little side note. Apparently too, the director mm-hmm. of the show was off the goddamn rails, like in kind of a good way, but also okay. stuff that would never fly today. Like for instance, oh, yeah, sounds he, about right. He was an avid porn collector. Hmm. So he loved apparently like vintage porn and had this like VHS. Sure. Stack. But this plays into it. That's where I'm going. Right. So they talk about him and they go, yeah, you know, he would have these funny little toys in the booth, production booth. And I'm like, what toys? They showed a picture. He had fucking Sex dildos race? and shit that he would just leave vibrating just for fun. And they're like, we would have guests in there. And they'd be like, uh, it'd be a little uncomfortable at times because the uh, EP was a woman. And she's like, yeah, that stuff probably wouldn't fly today. But it was Dave, you know? And I was like, fucking wild. Absolutely like, not. Because, like, you know what? Listen, if you if we were friends and you told me that you had a personal sure. porn this is collection, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'd be work. like, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Like, do your thing. Um, but yeah, and like, you don't bring that shit into the workplace. Also, they said he had a house because he was a fairly successful director doing all sorts of projects. He had a oh, house man. in Highwood Hills. The a couple of the gladiators said they went to parties at his house one time, and I think it was Nitro. And he goes, "I was a young man. I liked to party in Hollywood." He goes, "I like." To, I liked women. I liked drugs. Mm-hmm. I did it all. He goes, I've never been to a more wild party than at fucking Dave's house. He goes, God. He goes, I walk in. There's three women topless just running around. He goes, there are people doing shit here. There's drugs over there. He goes, it was the wildest night of my fucking life. And I was like, this show was unhinged from the fucking beginning. Not, this is not to yeah. mention the injuries that were sustained. Like the oh, people man. creating this the games. This is like class action understand. park vibes. Oh, a- absolutely, oh, Jade. Like the people who are inventing the games didn't understand actual sports and athletes. So they were just. Of course. Creating these of good. Course. Look for your know, good for TV stuff. And they're like, oh, wait, real human beings have to do this and yeah. not break their legs open. You know, Jesus fucking Christ. Wild. Highly recommend. Definitely watch it. All it's right. Great. And also, Muscles and Mayhem, it'll, right? It'll make you cry at the end. Like, some oh, of these people have these redemption arcs. You know me, arcs. I always cry, so. Some of these people have these redemption arcs. This one guy talks about how he went from being this angry young man, never figuring out what he wants. And for a minute, I thought he was going to be like, and then I found Jesus. And no, uh, he's like, I went to therapy. Oh. And like. Let's see it. He like, like, started learning about myself. You know, made one guy made peace with his father, like because his father. Holy shit. He talks about his father, like saying he never loved him, and his father actually said it at one point when he sat down and had a conversation. It was wild, Jade. Like it, it, I was like, oh my, oh my god, this is directed, oddly enough, by Jared Hess. And if you don't recognize that name, mm. Napoleon Dynamite. Wow. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Amazing. Okay. Can't speak. All right. But Jade. Yes. Movie review. First book. It's time now to talk about our movie this week, which is Asteroid City by the one and only Wes Anderson. We're going to keep this short, Jade. Mm -hmm. Initial thoughts on this movie. You know, initial thoughts are, I think there is a point 
when you are a writer director and you've gotten to a certain place in Hollywood where I think maybe you just lose your way a little bit. And I think this is the point that Wes Anderson has lost his way a little bit. I think this might have almost been a, a passion project where no one edited him down. No one told him no. And he just kind of created this thing that really, really needed some editing. Took the words out of my mouth, Jade. The, this is what mm-hmm. happens when you get too famous, too popular, and too in control of your work. Yes. And no one is telling you no. Yep. And no one is able to give you constructive criticism because, yeah. well, look, if this was something that I saw in film school that someone created, sure. I'd be like, okay, like you're creating this art for you. And I understand on some level that and some of it's experimentation. art is for yourself. Yeah. yeah. And, and there is experience. And I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. But... When you're asking me $15 to go see your movie. And this is for mass I have an audiences. This is for yeah. an audience. And like, I understand what Wes Anderson is. I understand what different directors are capable of. Yeah. This is not your best work. This is not his best work. No, not by a long shot. And this is, it's not even creative storytelling. I'm sorry. It's not. It's no, I would not a deeper meaning. There's not I would say any more to it. Bottle Rocket is be- is better than this. And that's his first Abs- film. Absolutely. It's yeah. better. At- yeah. Almost any of them. I, I'll watch French, French Dispatch saying, all of like them. three times. But I feel like people, when you watch Bottle Rocket, you're not, I feel like Wes Anderson now has kind of cemented his style in a way that like you're not seeing that in his very first film. Like you sure. wouldn't even recognize that maybe as a Wes Anderson film other than a few of the um, kind of framing shots. Sure. But like that whole entire film still better it, it, at least it, there's a story it makes sense you know but yeah. we'll dig deeper into let's that. dig more into that we're gonna take a quick break we're gonna come back and review our movie this week it's asteroid city we'll be right back presentation you're not here we're not there the car exploded come get the girls i have to stay here with woodrow i'm not the chauffeur i'm the grandfather where are you asteroid city farm route 6 mile 75 Last train. junior stargazers and space cadets each year we celebrate asteroid day Commemorating September 23rd, 3007 BC, when the arid plains meteorite made Earth impact. Holy Toledo, that's Mitch Campbell. You're very good in the one about the tramp in the brothel who Thank gets you. amnesia and Thank becomes you. a pediatrician. You were very awesome. Actually, maybe my favorite character ever. I don't know why nobody else liked it. Oh. Our movie this week is Asteroid City. It's directed by writer-director Wes Anderson, but... Also, the show is written by, co-written yes. by a Coppola, not yeah. Nicolas Cage, <laughs> Roman Coppola, which uh, I feel like we don't hear a lot about for the most part. No. Uh, I know he's been in, uh, he's done some producing, directing, writing, um, but haven't he's seen his name in a while. actually with Wes Anderson on a lot of his films. Really? Feeling Limited, Isle of Dogs, and French Dispatch. Wild. Um, so I guess my first criticism of this movie uh, will uh, not make any sense, but I'm going to say it anyway a little bit later. Well, Jade, for those who don't know what Asteroid City is, aside from that it's a Wes Anderson movie with probably some quirky humor and, you know, the classic framing that you see in a Wes Anderson movie, 
Mm-hmm. What's this movie actually about? Because I don't even know if I fucking still know. <laughs> uh, same. So let's see if this description makes any sense. Following a writer on his world-famous fictional play about a grieving father who travels with his tech-obsessed family to small rural asteroid city to compete in a junior stargazing event only to have his worldview disrupted forever. Oh. That's not at all. <laughs> okay. What I think he- this movie's about or... Okay, before we go, before we go too much, <laughs> let's let's just knock a few things out of the way here, Jade, because I know we're going to spend most of our time. And, and spoiler for everyone, it's I don't know. Maybe I, I'm not even going to say we don't get it. But Jade, what was treasure in this? Anything we can take away? So you know, I think some classic things, obviously, set design, um, you know, uh, costuming, things like that. I think are always so well done in Wes Anderson films. I think this kind of really. Um, desaturated pastel setting of this kind of 1950s um, like futurism that we have. It felt very Americana in a way. Very Americana. It's very much like space age. This is obviously like you think Nevada when they were testing like you know they had like what was it called like um, Boomtown Nuclear City. Yeah the nuclear bomb and stuff. Nuclear bomb testing. Yeah so they used to create those fake cities in the desert in order to test nuclear bombs and that that had this vibe to it which i thought was like kind of cool especially if you played like fallout it's very much like of that realm yeah um and of course classic wes anderson we have some really cool like um for like cinematography and like framing of scenes and really interesting vignettes but i think for me that's about that's about it. You know, I will say, you know, aside from that, because, of course, you've got some of those classic elements that you expect in a Wes Anderson, like you mentioned. The cinematography, right. the framing, you know, every shot is well thought out. Like, you can't yes. fault that. You know that each shot is designed specifically to be a certain way. Yes. And it's all great. Uh, I even enjoyed, honestly, it wasn't cohesive, but there were moments that I picked out where I was like, mm. I like this dialogue. I like this conversation. But the problem was the writing right. never seemed to connect. No to a longer narrative there was some great little you know witty funny outlandish little parts you get that quick humor back and forth yeah. because it's a wes anderson movie and you have you know folks like jason schwartzman who's been there for since, since the, beginning, the beginning like yeah. since rushmore and you know a lot of other cl- i almost said uh i almost said uh, what's his name uh, edward norton but edward norton actually wasn't his, he's kind of later he, wasn't, he was later in the movie um but tom hanks is the addition i was thinking of not bill murray tom hanks was in this uh yes and was this his first this is his first we do have some alum which is like we have adrian brody um, we have some newcomers, Jeffrey Wright, Brian Cranston. Margot Robbie. Um, yeah, Margot Robbie, um, Maya Hawk, Rupert. Actually, no, Rupert Friend, I believe, has been in a Western I believe he's a, Yeah, I believe yeah. he is. Um, Steve Park is a veteran. We have Lee Schreiber is new. Um, same with Sophia Lillis and Matt Dillon as well. So quite a few newbies and just a few alum. Oh, and then um, what's his name? Um uh, who plays the bully in Spider-Man, and he was in Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, my goodness. Um, I can't think I'll of his name. I'll find it. I can't think of his name right I now. know. I'm like, <laughs> I see him get... so much. Oh, uh, Tony Revolori. Yes. yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, so those are the things, right, that are probably the, the most treasures that we picked out of these. But let's skip ahead, Jade. What do you think, who do you think had the best performance in this film? Um, so the limited performances we get. Yes. I would say, honestly, it was a toss-up for me between Jason Schwartzman and Scarlett Johansson, but really, I think I'm going to give it to Scarlett Johansson. I think 
she gave me the most depth for a character that didn't have much to her and also a performance that felt Wes Anderson worthy. You know, like this felt very like Gwyneth Paltrow, Margot from Royal Tenenbaums vibes. And I think she she held her own in this film, which, again, had a stacked cast, had a lot of veterans who have been in Wes Anderson films who, you know, this is their bread and butter. And I think her, especially coming off of doing all the Marvel stuff for years, I think this is a really good foray back into because she started out doing these dark indies like this. Yeah, it's refreshing to see her back in not a superhero role, in a more dramatic, well, it's not even dramatic, kind of funnier, you know, deeper role, I guess. Yeah, something that plays a little bit off you know i mean I, she did marriage story that one year but <laughs> oh yeah actually great role that was, yeah. that was good yeah yeah but you know i i enjoy her in things like this i think she did a great job you know to me it's hard you know like you were saying there's you don't get a lot of screen time even for the main actors to really put together a performance that you're used to in other films yeah I, I agree. Jason Schwartzman stands out. But to me, this is Jason Schwartzman being Jason Schwartzman. This is what he does best, you, you know? know? Scarlett yeah. Johansson, I agree. Probably the best performance of this entire movie. But I, I want to also give a shout out to two other actors. Brian Cranston. Mm. He had a difficult role, I think, the way that it was written. But you still get a Brian Cranston level performance out of it. Yeah. He gave it his all. And it, if that had been anyone else, I probably would have walked out of the movie. If he, he well, had been. Especially when you think of the dialogue he was given, tough, it was very. Tough dialogue. Yeah, very tough, very rapid. The delivery had to be kind of like this, like quick, snappy, and there's like kind of a certain beat to it. So, I mean, he delivered it. I mean, it's Brian Cranston. So. I mean, also, I want to mention, uh, you know, Jake Ryan in this as Augie, who is the son of Jason Schwartzman's oh, character. Oh, he was great. I thought he was fantastic. And of course, you'll probably recognize him from things like Eighth Grade mm-hmm. or even Moonrise Kingdom uh, was in that as well. He so. is the perfect little Jason Schwartzman. Yeah. If you... D- like, that is the best yeah. casting. Like, him as Jameson Swartzen's son? Son? Absolutely believable. So believable. Yeah. 100%. I'm like, like, yeah. If you'd said that, it was, that, that was true in real life, I'd be like, I'm yeah, like, that's his husband. There's a point where I questioned it a little bit. <laughs> I was like, hmm, are they related? Now, Jay, before we go into the trash, are there any lines or any memorable dialogue for you that you thought was particularly uh, interesting? So I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. This... Um, movie perplexed me when it came to dialogue i for so we've already talked about on the show how i basically struggle without like subtitles and so watching this in theaters no subtitles everyone's talking so goddamn fast and not just fast but moving subjects so quickly I, and there was so much background noise. And there were times when I felt like, this is why I say Brian Cranston did the best that he could. I felt like with the dialogue, he, some of it sounded like goddamn Charlie Brown, like the teachers, where it was just like, yes. wah, wah. he'd be talking wah, about wah, something wah, important. Wah, wah, and I'm like, wah. what is he saying? Why can I not understand what he's saying? You know? No. It was it wasn't good. It just wasn't, it was too much. I was like, I need subtitles for this movie. And in fact, I think when it comes out on demand, I'm You're going to, have to watch it, it. Yeah. with subtitles just to see if I have any differing opinion on this film um you know i'll defer to you first no i have one that's interesting so it's it's a woodrow and augie so it's uh, jason schwartzman's character and and um jake allen uh oh wait it's jake allen just jake ryan and (laughs) they're having a conversation about uh their mother dying and he goes um so this is uh jake ryan's character he goes 
you're saying our mother died three weeks ago? Because <laughs> basically Christ. Augie has said, uh, yeah, my wife, your your mother died a couple of weeks ago. And I didn't tell you. And he's like, yeah, um, let's just say that she's in heaven, uh, which doesn't exist for me. I'm an atheist, of course, but you're Episcopalian. And like that, <laughs> yeah, that, was a good that one. took me out because also that's followed up with another interaction where the grandfather who's played by... Um, uh, I can't think of his name. Holy crap! The Tom Hanks comes and gets uh, Augie and the three girls, and was going to take them back before the city gets shut down. And he's like, "Oh, like here are three little princesses," and they're actually like, they're all like, "No, I'm yeah. not a princess. I'm a vampire oh, witch." She's like I'm a witch. Weird, <laughs> weird, weird. Yeah. I was like, "Fucking perfect." Also, we didn't mention that the the little girls, the sisters in this, they were also some of the best parts of this whole film. Uh, just some comic relief that was so needed. I wish there was more of them in this film. Yes, absolutely. Um, There's some, like, decent ones. They're not, like, terribly amazing. I did quite enjoy this interaction between, so, Midge Campbell is the Hollywood actress played by Scarlett Johansson. Then we have Sandy Borden, who's just, like, a mom of one of the kids there. And they're standing in line for the showers, and the mom, Sandy's like, you're very good. And the one about the tramp and the brothel who gets amnesia, <laughs> becomes a pediatrician, you are very authentic. And Midge is like, thank you. That's actually maybe my favorite character I've ever. And Sandy erupts her, and she's like, I don't know why anybody else, or I don't know why nobody else liked it. And Midge just kind of takes her off. She's like, oh, yes, me neither. <laughs> thank you. She's like, some people liked it. And Sandy's like, oh, I'm sure. I did. But it's like <laughs> such a backhanded, like, fucking thing to be like, I don't know why no one else liked it. And she's like, like I Thought fuck, everyone liked, liked it. it. Yeah. Like the fuck. Like, <laughs> that was a pretty good one. <laughs> like I said, there were there were just these funny little moments um, in the film that were your classic Wes Anderson that you come to expect from if you love Royal Tenenbaums or if you like yes. Grand Budapest Hotel or if you like Moonrise Kingdom. Like there were moments that you're like, oh, I'm watching a Wes Anderson movie, and then there were others where you're just let's go right into the trash. Oh. This movie was so fucking meta. Like it. And when I say that is, look, I love things that can make fun of itself, right? That can just yes. take you out and just go, we're we're doing this, right? Good mm-hmm. example of this, being meta as fuck, but still being interesting, is the latest episode of uh, Black Mirror, Jonah's Awful. Oh, yes. They uh, do a whole Completely riff meta. on being on Streamberry, but it's basically Netflix. It's, the whole, it's literally their intro, their logo, yeah. like everything. And they're playing on this whole streaming AI thing that's literally existing in the real world but then they yeah. also take it to this other level it's so fucking meta but it's hilarious and it's interesting yes. and it's terrifying because it's first of all it's commentary yes um there's a thorough plot like beginning middle and end you know you're getting somewhere and there's again it's like yeah they, they managed to add in the humor the commentary a storyline a primary character to follow like antagonists like the whole everything you need to make a fucking story that we're missing from Asteroid City, like so, basically, Wes Anderson uses this idea of a play as a framing device for the film. So the film that you're watching is a play that Edward Norton's character has written. So you get these interspersed scenes between the the play, the movie of Asteroid City, and Edward Norton as the writer, and there are these like black and white scenes, and he kind of like they're jump cuts in time, and they're. It's, like, narrated by, like, Brian Cranston. He's, like, trying to explain to you where we are in time in relation to Edward Norton as the writer as he's writing this play. It's so fucking weird because the way it gets broken up, it's, like, it cuts into the primary story you're trying to follow. 
Um, then they randomly switch focus from the writer to the director, which is Adrian Brody's character, yep. who were like, who the fuck is this guy? And then we're following him, but it's on like a minimal set from like a play. So you're like, is this the play? Is this the behind the scenes of the play? What are we watching? And then there were even conversations happening in the quote play itself that you were like, are these the actors? Yes. Being the actors or are they actually performing what's yes, in the because play? Because at one point, uh, who is it? It's it's Augie, Jason Schwartzman's character, literally questions what's being said in the movie, the play, walks out from the set. So it goes from like the movie to this like black and white set where he meets Adrian Brody's character on the weird set that he's like living in. Yeah. And then he like goes out to the back alley and questions the motivations of what's happening in the play and then has this weird fucking conversation with Margot Robbie who comes in out of goddamn nowhere. Nowhere. Who is the actress that plays his dead wife in the play. Like me even saying this now is so fucking convoluted. Like it's so weird and none of it makes any sense. And I just feel like. Honestly, Memento is easier to follow than this movie. Yes. Right. You know what I mean? Like people, yes. people have, pro- that movie's way more linear and makes way more sense. Like yeah. there, are, there are plenty of convoluted, confusing storylines that you can get lost in that still make for a good movie. Of course. This just did things for Shutter no Island like, makes more fucking sense. Shutter Island makes way more sense. <laughs> Jade, I have to, something controversial. I saw that on a list. Someone said that was their favorite, like fucking movie with a twist recently on a list. That's Top a- movie. Number one voted. Wild, Wild. to me. Anyway. Moving on. <laughs> this was just, and I, and I love a movie, right? That spells out the acts. Like this, yeah, literally, sure. told you from the beginning. There's going to be three acts. There are going to be this many scenes in each act. And That's I'm like, fine for me, absolutely. Like yeah. I love chaptering. Like to me, sometimes you can tell a story on film the way you would tell a book and say, yeah. "This is chapter one. This is chapter two. That's absolutely fine, yeah. and that can help be a great, you know, tool in telling the story that you want to tell. Right. To me, why why even have the device of them writing the play? Yes. None of that really mattered in the context of this film. Add it didn't add any it. exactly yeah. it didn't add anything. It didn't add any emotional depth for me. No. It didn't give me any motivation to keep Mm-mm. watching. It didn't make me more interested well, in the characters in the play. No, and I think the other thing it suffered from was having too many characters as well. So when you think about the plot of, like, let's say we remove all the weird shit, all the meta shit about him writing a play and the actors and directors and stuff. And if we only focus on the movie, the play, there's too many characters to follow and not one singular, like, linear story between them. The entire teacher, like, uh, the teacher with Hawk, the, the teacher with the kids yeah, and Meyer the field Hawk. trip? added and nothing the weird, and the weird cowboy and the cow- yeah the cowboy that, all that like, could have been cut they they feel like they were trying to build a romance between her character and the cowboy that like never panned out to be anything and those moments were so like yeah you got like maybe a few like little laughs but it didn't go anywhere and then same with like the rest of the kids that what was were- the whole neptune narrative that she kept trying to push like oh i so need weird. to talk about neptune you talk about neptune dude everyone just saw fucking alien like i Keep, move on. Move on. Teach better. Be a better teacher. It was, yeah, that was weird. I felt like the focus, if they just would have kept this as like, this is the story of Asteroid City. Like, this is real life. This is happening. And Jason Schwartzman, same thing. He is bringing his son to this little like science competition thing at Asteroid City. His wife just died. His wife just died. And the car breaks down. I think it would have been great if actually like Midge's car broke down or... Or whatever. I don't know. But either way, it's like they're there. 
their kids are doing their thing. And then it's like a weird romance between Augie and Midge. His wife just died. This is his first romance since his wife died three fucking weeks ago. And then Midge is having like her kind of midlife crisis because she's a Hollywood actress, but she feels like she's being stifled. And then the kids kind of have this weird romance. And I'm iffy on the whole alien thing. I think it would have been cooler. Again, I don't think needed. Not they didn't needed. need it. If they like instead like discovered something like if they if it's called asteroid city what if they were like actually there's an asteroid that's like heading this way yeah like uh, like unpredicted and like they caught it on like the thing or the telescope or whatever and they worked with tilda swinton who plays the scientist to basically figure out how to stop this asteroid from hitting them i almost forgot tilda swinton was in this movie another narrative that could have been cut so many fucking people i'm telling you what about what about even the 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 monologue that we get from I think another person we didn't mention that was in this movie freaking uh, the who plays the officer Jeffrey Wright Jeffrey Wright another who? amazing actor yeah, has this General crazy Gibson. monologue in the middle of the, the fucking movie that doesn't make any goddamn sense no it's so out of fucking left field and I was like what are we doing right now he just now? randomly tells a story about his childhood and like all this other random uh, shit and you're like which, by the way Jeffrey okay. Wright totally wasted because he is the perfect type of Let, person to be in a Wes Anderson film let's face it 80% of this cast was completely, yes. their talents were wasted in this Lee film. Schreiber could have been amazing. I liked where his character was going, but he did, his character, they fucking did nothing. Yeah. For the whole film. No. Yeah. Um, is Matt Dillon, the mechanic? I forgot Matt Dillon. He was actually great. He was great. I liked him. Yeah. But like, they barely used him after like those initial scenes and he kind of came back in at the end and I was like, oh, I forgot. It's me. You know who, Steve, Steve Carell is the motel manager. <laughs> That's right. He was actually interesting, but again, his storyline added nothing. Nothing. Absolutely. Like, there was this weird thing about him and land tracks. And yes, it ended with up to the be cowboy, nothing. Because it was like, and you know what? It was a funny little setup. There was basically this series of vending machines at this motel. And each one got more and more ridiculous. So it was like soda, snacks, cigarettes. And then it kept going into sillier and sillier things you get from a vending machine. Until one of them was you could buy plots of land from the vending machine. Yeah. And I was like, that's kind of funny. That's kind of interesting. That feels very Wes Anderson-esque. But instead, we have this ca- random cowboy character buying it instead of just sticking with your main character. Why not just have Augie be like, hey. I'll buy that. What is this? All right, I'll buy it. Like, whatever. Fuck it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, keep it within the same realms. Keep within the same characters. Like, I don't know. I just. I, don't. I mean, we could go on and on talking uh, about so different much. things like this. But I mean, really, it just seemed like a giant miss. I mean. Yeah, which is such a disappointment. Yeah. You know, we rave about Wes Anderson. This also does not deserve the seven that it has. On oh, on IMDb. IMDb. That's wild. wild to no, me. Those people haven't even watched the movie. No, convinced. I'm convinced. Or they think or, they're smarter than they are. That's exactly it. I think they think that it's Wes Anderson. So, you know, if you like Wes Anderson, then you must be like, you know, like you're above it. And so they probably didn't get it. Yes. And were afraid to say they didn't get it. And so they were like, oh, it was so good. These are the same people that think Elon Musk is a genius just because they <laughs> think it is. Right. Like, it's the same people. You know, I, I will defend certain movies. Yeah, that the man people... who didn't invent Tesla, exactly. the cars, he didn't do anything. I will defend certain movies to the death that people hate. Sure, same. Like, there are some movies, and I have specific reasons for them. Like, I have plenty of, of art house, like, film school films that I've seen that are classic, like, avant-garde that I know most people would absolutely murder me for taking me to go see like Rushes of the Afternoon um, is a great fucking film and I can tell you why it's a great film but you're not going to be interested in sitting down for fucking 30 minutes to watch it would absolutely hate Run Lola Run oh 
and not understand anything at Absolutely. all about the movie because it's like German techno and it's and her look, fucking running across the city half I, the time. I could accept that people don't like that movie. I could yeah. absolutely accept it. It's a great movie. I could tell yeah. you why it's a great movie, Same. and I could tell you why I think. It's I know a great movie. why other people don't like it. Yeah, but I understand why you don't like it. This is not a. I, listen, this is not I, this, one of those. this is not a movie that you like or dislike. If you like this because Wes Anderson, you're an idiot. Like this yeah. is not great. This is yeah. his hateful eight. Like Ugh. for Quentin Tarantino, exactly yes. what it is. I think, and I think we had a discussion before where when you're at this caliber of being a writer director, you kind of almost hit that stride of like where you just you're bound to fail at something. You've gotten too big for your britches a little bit. And I think this is the first crack in Wes Anderson's wall a little bit. Exactly. Well, Jade, where do you rate this? Ooh. This is, I, I hate to say it, this is trash. This is trash. Like, I I, it's not dumpster fire, but it's trash. Rewatch with subtitles just to see if I missed anything. But I, I'm I, not rewatching to enjoy. I'm, yeah, I'm going to watch this when I have some time and it's on demand and it's free. Yeah. Same. And I can watch it with subtitles and just see, maybe there's some extra jokes that I didn't get. Yeah, like, but did I miss something? But this is trash. You can skip this. Go see, you know what? Uh, Go see No Hard, no hard feelings. feelings. Fucking solid movie. We watched that right after that and after Asteroid City. I would watch the movie three times. Same. Again. That's one that it comes on streaming. I'm rewatching immediately. Absolutely. This is, this is a classic. Classic, like weird romance comedy, like weird, dirty sex stupid, comedy. Yeah. Maybe Great. a little questionable, but you know. Jennifer Lawrence at her peak acting. I'm so glad she's done a role like this because I think she kind of got stuck in that bubble of like serious acting for a long time. And superhero. Yes. Yeah, so, well, and then, you know, obviously she's an Oscar winner. Yeah. So. I think when you get to that caliber, I think people expect you to constantly be doing that over and over again. They expect greatness from you. And I think she was burnt out and like audiences were burnt out a little bit from her. And so she took her time off, had her baby, made this rom-com that she even said, she was like, I just thought it was funny and I just want to be yeah. in a fun project. And it was and great. It, it was great. It was fucking amazing. Yeah. Anyway, Asteroid City, trash, go see it or probably don't. Yeah. Some of our information about outer space may no longer be completely accurate. Anyway, there's still only nine planets in the solar system as far as we know, Billy. Except now there's an alien. What's happening now? I don't know. I don't like the way that guy looked at us. The alien. How did you... How did he look? Like we're doomed. Maybe we are. I've just informed the president. How long can they keep us in Asteroid City legally? The world will never be the same. That's an alien doing Jeffy Jacks. That's an alien in a top hat. What's out there? The meaning of life. Maybe there is one. Are you married? I'm a widower. But don't tell my kids. You're saying her mother died three weeks ago. Let's say she's in heaven. Which doesn't exist for me, of course, but you're Episcopalian. And once again, our movie this week was Asteroid City. You can watch it now in theaters and I'm sure very shortly on demand. Yeah. Because it's already Jade. What, a couple weeks after release? It hasn't been that like long. Two weeks after release, but for something like this, I feel like it's, it's in smaller theaters already. Like it's not Yeah. It's not one of the bigger movies. I mean, it's gonna be quick to move to streaming. Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. I mean although we saw it in an art house theater, which is always kind of fun, which is where yeah. I think all Wes Anderson movies should be seen. Feels very Wes Anderson. I actually wish I had gone. Uh, our local movie theater in Tampa here was actually doing a Wes Anderson series, so they played yes, almost right. his entire catalog the week yeah. leading up to the well, release. Did you see the people in our theater who were dressed as characters from his films? Oh, I didn't even notice. Yeah, that. there was a couple that was like the kids from Moonrise Kingdom. And oh, that's was fun. Dressed as like um, Steve Zizzo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. 
years. I felt bad. And they were all disappointed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think they dressed up for this. I didn't hear one person leave and was like, oh, wow. Everyone kind of just. Everyone was like, uh, Everyone awkwardly. You know, like when a movie's bad and you just awkwardly scuffle like, away leave. at the end? Yeah. Yeah. That's what this was. I feel like I'm very verbal. And then other people were here and then they'll chime in. Like that yeah. happened at the end of like, uh, what movie was it? Was it Ant-Man or something? I just remember like leaving and being irate and then i think like there, there's a couple like next to us or behind us that was like oh yeah i think like, one of the only movies i've seen that was it wasn't close to being this bad but the only one that i remember being so bad that i was vocal in the theater to the point i watched garfield in theaters the okay. bill murray movie listen that is one of the worst movies i've ever seen i like garfield what <laughs> the animated bill murray version yeah that movie is fucking horrific no it's bad it's so bad but like even bill murray says he didn't know what he was signing up for because it was the wrong coen brothers it was the wrong coen brothers he thought it was a coen brothers movie and he did it without looking at the script and was wrong and then he said it was he he makes fun of it in fucking zombie land like he knows it's bad yeah he hates it he hates that movie um it's bad i jade i was in that theater there was like (laughs) 12 or 15 people in the theater when it started we didn't even get to the one hour mark and it was me and my buddy were the only ones. Everyone walked out of the theater before the movie was over and we Actually, just started yelling at the screen. You know a movie that people walked out of that I was in was Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah, that's another bad movie. That was fucking bad. That one, I was verbally irate in the middle of the theater. Yeah. I was very upset. You have to be. When people start walking out, it's bad. Like, like, this is shit. What are yeah. we doing here? What are we doing? Yeah. What is this? Anyway. Yeah. Well, Jade, I hope that we can pick a better movie for yeah. next week. And what have we uh, selected? So we're going with a kind of a weird indie rom-com called Robots. It is now available for rent on Amazon Prime. They have a deal going on right now. So it's only $3. Uh, this stars Shailene Woodley and Jack Whitehall. Um, you guys may know him. He's a comedian. Obviously, Shailene Woodley, probably most notorious for the Divergent series and The Secret Life of American Teenager. Um, but basically... It's this kind of funny rom-com about a world where you can now have kind of a robot double of yourself. Um, or I, I don't know if it's like you can have a double of yourself, but you can have like some sort of like robot, like companion or like kind of worker. But yeah. it is illegal though to pass your robot off as yourself. So there's these two people, obviously Shane Lee and Jack Whitehall, who basically do exactly that. They use their robot doubles to do all the shit they don't want to do, including some of the aspects of dating. So they kind of meet and then send their robots off unknowingly to date each other, only they end up falling in love and running away together. And now... The robots, that is. The robots. (laughs) And then Shailene Woodley and Jack Whitehall have to basically chase them down and stop them so that they don't get arrested. It looks hilarious. And yeah. what's crazy is this is one of two movies that... Yeah, she has this year. She has... Yeah, she has this year, which is another one is To Catch a Killer that looks mm-hmm. like this crime... Kind of like To Catch a Killer thriller. kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah Ben yeah. Mendelsohn is in it. But yeah. it's been a little while since we've seen her in anything. I mean, the last thing I remember was probably Big Little Lies uh, that she was in for a couple oh, of yeah. seasons. She had a few movies between then and now, but nothing I really remember going, oh, wow, that's... I mean, she was in Snowden, but... I don't remember her being a major character. No, I think like she's been doing a lot more smaller indie projects here and there. I mean, she did the Fallout, um, which was on HBO Max, the Moratorium as well. Um, oh, I actually, I did see Endings and Beginnings in 2019, and that was really, really good. But that was like a little indie thing. But yeah, Big Little Lies is like her last big one. She did do the theater production, um, 
Adrift and then Snowden, Divergent Series, yeah, Fault in Our Stars. Yeah, she. I think she kind of went under the radar a little bit. I think well, I mean, Divergent really, I think, did a number on her career. Because, I mean... A me, little bit. I remember when she came out with The Descendants with mm, George Clooney. That kind of put her on the map. She was amazing. I still point to that performance and go, where is the Shine Woodley from The Descendants? Because she was amazing. By the way... That blew me away because if you've ever watched Secret Life of American Teenager, which was her first role, I was on ABC Family, that fucking show, horrendous. <laughs> like acting, like, and it's crazy the actors that have come from that show because you're like, something else must have been going on there between the writing and the directing yeah. because like Shailene Woodley is an incredible actress, but her on that show, horrible. Francia Rice like also came from that show and she's she's great yeah she's great so yeah i mean same thing with divergent like horribly written books horribly written movie terrible story and it all went to shit like the other thing that the reason why they got green light greenlit was because of hunger games like everyone's like oh we're doing we're doing teen dystopias well no because twilight was teen vampire yeah i mean same thing no no well so no there's like there's a there's a whole thing and like with like ya where it's like with the rise of Harry Potter, so everything that was magical started becoming films. Like every book about magic yeah. became a movie, like around that time. And then Twilight did it for vampires. So then everything about vampires started becoming a movie and a TV show. And then along came Hunger Games, which was like dystopic, um, kind of like post-apocalyptic level. And then they were doing all that in YA. Like that's was like the trend and then they created the Divergent series and just fucking sucked. It's it's so I mean that's Fault in Our Stars with yeah. John Green. Like that came out and then everyone's like we're doing a weird indie teen thing where one of the kids dies. It was yeah. like a trend for a long fucking time. I mean there's a whole what's the one uh me Earl and the Dying Girl? That's Yeah, it's like me and Earl and the Dying yeah. Girl. There's um like My Sister's Keeper is like another one. There's like The Sun with where the girl's so allergic to the sun. Is there's the five feet apart. No, Perks being a wallflower is then like no, one dies. no one dies. No one dies in that one. No, but like there's like there's five feet apart where like these people have these immune disorders, like two teens, and they meet in the hospital, but they can't be near each other or they'll die because they can't catch oh, anything yeah. they have. And there's like the one where like that kid is allergic to the sun and he like falls in love with this girl, but like can't be with her because he can't be in the sun. Like, Jesus you know Christ. what I mean? Yeah. It's like a tra- fucking weird. Why yeah. is weird? Yeah. Like in a good way, but like why like in the trends, I think are weird. Yeah. Because I mean, because nothing's as good as like the first. The first thing two. that got big. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Well, Jade, speaking of what's not good, uh, one more thing. Might as well just throw it onto the show that I was watching. I think uh, we're all just waiting for things like Barbie and Oppenheimer to come out because oh. it's going to kick this next movie right yeah. out of its main spot, which is Indiana Jones and The Dial of Destiny. Oh. Am I going to watch this movie at some point, Jade? Sure. Probably. Yeah. Because, like, listen, it's Indiana if I want to shit on something, I at least need to know what I'm shitting on. That's why I watched The only reason I watched Batman. Same. Only reason I watched Same. it. Same. I suffered through it just to have an opinion. Because I knew it was bad. And Same. I knew that the people telling me it was good oh, were wrong. We haven't seen it. We're wrong. Yeah. Well, and they were. It was horrendous. It was terrible. Beyond bad. This is also going to be that. But what I find hilarious about this is I'm reading a little more about this film. This studio is like panicking a little bit. Because uh, apparently it's not bringing in the money hmm. that they thought. And I'm sitting there going, okay, but... Usually when a studio says that, I'm like, okay, what? They put up $300 million in the first week. And they and didn't get a billion? Maybe they're going to break even or maybe they're going to like make $100 million. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Jade, and this has to be some Spielberg magic, this movie cost 
$265 million to produce. How? That's not including Are marketing. Are they just not using so, the same sets? So they're not even including the marketing budget in this. Oh so they're, this is not, you know, sometimes they like say, oh, it's $300 million to do this film, but like $100 million of that was marketing, right? Right. So it's not really, yeah. you know what I mean? It's not really. Actually what you know, it took to make it. This cost almost $300 million to make. They've only made, not U.S. box office, worldwide, they've only made $160 million. <laughs> They've only made about half of the production cost back already. Because, Josh, no one fucking asked for this film, and no one wanted this film. No one wanted 85-year-old Indiana we Jones. We didn't no one wanted need it. or want another Indiana Jones film. No. At least not one with Harrison Ford, and at least not one in the fucking the past again. I'm sorry, but no. like... The Nazis Wait, can't keep Nazis. being the enemy. Jade, I had to look this up before we talked about this. This movie does happen a little bit further into the future in the well, in a Jones timeline. It's, it's in the sixties, but we're still talking about Nazis. That's, that's exactly it. Because the poster, I was like confused because one half of the poster we have like a picture of a Nazi, but the other half we have like a woman with like an afro and, and big earrings and sunglasses. So I'm like, okay, well she's like from the sixties. And that's a Nazi from the 30s. Yeah. So where are we? What are we doing? And then I looked it up and I was like, when was Crystal Skull take? Like, when did that take place? It took place in 1957. So, okay, here's the thing. Without having seen, obviously, the new one, I'm fucking confused because the whole point of Crystal Skull was that we found out that Shia LaBeouf was Indy's son and that essentially their plan was to pass the torch to Shia LaBeouf and he's going to become kind of the new Indy. Obviously, that didn't end up working out. Because Shia LaBeouf's fucking insane. Yeah, the fucking worst. Um, <laughs> the worst. So, you know, whatever. That's fine. But then, I think we have Phoebe Waller-Bridge in this movie is Indy's granddaughter, which means that as of 10 years, because it's what takes place in 1969, so like 10 years prior, he just met his son, the only child he knows about, and now all of a sudden he has a granddaughter who is like in her 30s. Are they going to say she's 18 or something or 19 <laughs> like as i'm saying i'm like the math's not mathing i don't whose grandchild is this is she the daughter of shia labeouf or is she the daughter of another child he didn't know that he had like you know what wow. i mean like i again it's like it's so fucking weird and again why is the enemy the nazis like why couldn't it just be like russia cold war shit you know they're talking I mean? about nasa for christ's sake it should be it should it, yes space race are you joking me yeah come on yeah i Anyway, ugh. well, hopefully our movie next week, Robots, will be better. Yep. It's, where is that streaming again, Jade? Amazon Prime, and you can rent it for $3. Oh, there we go. Well, where can folks find us between now and next week? You guys can follow us on all of our socials. We are on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as Our Taste is Trash. You can also find us on our website, OurTasteIsTrash.com. Come back next week when we review the movie Robots. You can watch it on Amazon Prime. To get ourselves a treat.